What's going on guys and welcome back. Marvel Snap is in need of a balance patch. We're going to talk about the buffs that need to happen and most importantly the nerfs that need to happen this next balance patch. We also have a developers Q&A. The community asks questions and we have answers from the developers. And then lastly, what is our Marvel Snap wishlist? What do we want to come to the game in the next months and years? We're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I am joined by the wonderful Mr. Alex. We've got a brand new season, man. It is the month of March, and there's a lot kind of brewing in the air. How you feeling? How you doing, Alex? I'm doing great, as always. Excited to have a conversation with you about like these topics here. It's a great time. I mean, uh, we've got a brand new season pass. A lot of cards to unlock. Amazing variants, by the way, Cozy. Like, how good are these variants in the season pass? Oh, okay. Card backs are absolutely fire. And uh, we're actually going to talk about that kind of stuff on my side as well, as well as Leech and the rank and location changes. Cozy, we got a whole slate of topics. It feels like a storm is brewing, right? It's been kind of a slow couple of months. I mean, we had the friendly battles come by. We've had some obviously balance adjustments, but I feel like we're about to get smacked with a lot of different content, Alex. And honestly, obviously, it's always welcomed. We're going to talk about that on the wish list, but we're going to start today's episode. I feel like the community is kind of split in some decisions, and most of it is with balance, right? I mean, you've got people saying there are nerf chasers and we complain about every card. The other ones are saying that these cards are terrible. And it is easy to see both sides, but I think it's definitely important to start our subject there. So to start with the cards, buffs, and nerfs, Alex, kick us off. What's the opening kind of conversation you want to have? I think the opening conversation is definitely that, like, Cozy, I think that, like, balancing a card game has got to be incredibly difficult. Yeah. I'm not a game developer. We're not game devs. And this is a very complex beast. Like, no individual card exists in a vacuum. Like, they just don't. Like, they interact in such complex ways that it's so easy for us to say, like, this card's got to get nerfed and this has got to go. But as we saw with Leader, you nerf one thing and then something else creeps up, right? Like, and also there's like these unforeseen circumstances of like, listen, we were sleeping on Thanos. I was sleeping on Thanos for how long? And then now all of a sudden Thanos is just rocking everybody and it sat idle for months. Oh man, I don't envy, I do not envy that position whatsoever because it is a tough, you know, it's like the Grim Reaper meme where you've got the doors and he's going through them and I'm like, all right, you've got leader behind door, number one, number two was Zabu and th they were needed, I uh, totally, right? But like, I do understand the nerf chasing mentality because do we just always get mad at a new card? It's always going to be disruptors too because they exist for a reason and we'll talk about that on your side of the channel. But you know, it's, it's an interesting standpoint and... The metrics have got to be so complex onto what they do. All right, so Alex, when it comes to the buffs and nerfs, we've got our list here. We have our prediction per se of cards that we think could be candidates. Again, we're not saying these need to be nerfed or buffed, but just ones that we've seen the community outcry and probably could fix a few things. We haven't separated how they do it, right? A small cost or power adjustment, or we just look at the ability or the mechanics of the cards as a whole. Now, for both buffs and nerfs, there's a lot more that we could add to this list, guys. Of course, there's, there always are, but we don't want to talk about the same things all the time. But today, we're going to start with a card that I think kind of adds just a different dynamic to Snap. Now, in the beta, this card did get nerfed right before release. It was kind of all over with Mr. Negative, but since that has been changed, we have Magic, who can only be played, Alex on turn five now you've got the random ice man that just you're done you've got you know dream dimension messes it up uh, it just kind of feels weird and i don't think it needs an ability rework but maybe a cost maybe a power adjustment what are your thoughts first and i'll give you what i think the fix could be 
Magic is such a tricky thing because I think you're right. Like the original version of Magic was incredibly powerful because it was a turn six play that extended the game by surprise. It actually was kind of what Kang does. Like you almost played Magic and saw like, aha, that was your plan. Well, guess what? The game's not over yet, <laughs> right? Like that, it was Kang. It was Kang before Kang. And so it obviously got changed and Magic got brought down to only be able to play on turn five and below, which obviously killed the card. And you're right, Dream Dimension, Iceman, it's a magnet for Iceman. I wonder if... It doesn't need just more power. I don't know if the ability needs to be completely worked. I'm not sure what to do with magic because it is an incredibly difficult card to balance because its effect is like, it's pretty crazy. And it does have the drawback of like getting reality stoned and like, surprise, there's no turn seven, right? So yeah. there's counterplay. It's a cool card. I like it, but I, I'm not sure what to think of it because like, I don't think giving it more power, like making it a, a five, four solves the problem. But also making it kind of do the turn six thing again, it might be too strong, especially with what we have now with Kang. So what are your thoughts, Cozy? You know, is it that you is it that you make it lower? So if you can only play before turn six, I think maybe a cost reduction, maybe? Because the power, you're not getting advantage power-wise. The cost reduction allows the person that's playing against it to have more turns to prep for that turn seven, right? It's not like right before it and, and it kind of messes that up. And then you get her out there because, again, turn five right now is such a hyper-competitive spot for cards you can play. And I think that's her biggest problem. Where I'm playing her is in, like, a Lockjaw deck, and I'm hoping she kind of pops up out of nowhere or I throw her on turn five and have a shuffle. That could fix it, and I don't think it would be overwhelming. Turn four, I find, is sometimes an awkward turn anyway. What do you think about that? So she's like a 4-2 or a 4-3. I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like, if, imagine she's a 4-2, right? And you have Rhino at 3-3, three, three, Storm at 3-2, and you have Scarlet Witch at 2-3. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It would be similar power to Wong where you give up some tempo, but you have a legitimate impact that might benefit your deck more than the opponent. Well, right. And if you look at the other forecast cards, a lot of them are different kind of like conditionary setups, right? So like Dracula, you would play on that turn to set it for kind of later on. Or you just set a great example, Wong as well, Mr. Negative. It feels like kind of you're setting up the strategy on that turn four and then you move forward because turn five I think is that biggest issue I, I don't know I think for sure I agree with you we do not need to see her with like the six turn play that was just that was too much right but next I, I want to talk about a big green friend one of the most beloved characters of Marvel that I think could also use a buff is the Hulk smash I, I think he could just get a touch of power to make him a bit more playable not saying he's not playable now but uh, what are your thoughts I think that's pretty interesting. I can see Hulk getting a little bit more power. Like, it's pretty interesting. Like, when you compare Hulk and Magneto, for instance, right? I do like the Hulk as a 612, like 613. I can see it because, like, if you think about it, Magneto has that disruptive effect, right? But with Magneto, the power has to compete with whatever you drag in. So you don't just get, like, the clean 12 power right. all the time, right? But the disruption is still huge. I can see Hulk getting a little bit of love here because you're right. Like, usually, like, people favor Magneto over Hulk all day long. And there's a reason for that because the disruption so valuable it's not always about the power right so maybe a little more power might do uh, the hulk well or like maybe they do like a bruce banner thing and you play him at a low cost or a low power and then he kind of gets to that over the course of the match or on turn six i don't know it's a bit more obviously it would be telegraphable but i think you could i think it's more of the power problem as a whole right if you look at how the power is kind of laid out over snap you can see that the hulk kind of sets it everything else either has a condition around it you know like Giganto can only be played in the left lane, who's another card that I think could get a small amount of love. Not sure how you do that, but clearly he's he's not being played that much right now. Orca is a Giganto, but you could play him anywhere. But obviously he's one of the worst cards in Snap because, well, it's just way too many conditions you're kind of 
hoping checks off for not that much power. But Alex, if you were to say any other cars that you think fall in that line of buffs, what would you say as far as just a small power increase? I mean, can we make an argument for Onslaught being a 6.8? Like, I feel like Onslaught, first of all, the power, like, Onslaught is an incredible combo card, right? But they've kind of fixed up a lot of the crazy interactions with, like, Gambit and stuff like that. So that took out some kind of the leeway for Onslaught. Like, he had, like, this immense power with the exponential increase of some of the ongoing effects. That's been fixed, right? So you don't have those crazy plays. So now what do you have? Just an Onslaught that works as intended, but it kind of feels weak, doesn't it? Onslaught? just always feels like the first card that you cut, and it would be great to add him there. I, I think even if you added the eight, he's in need of more ongoing cards that have just a better double effect, right? Like, I, I, it's just the, the ones that are currently out are pretty hard to meet condition-wise, you know? Uh, you, of course, you can double a devil dinosaur, but that doesn't really fix the issue, right? He's still going to get Shang-Chi'd. Omega Red, great. But that's actually, maybe maybe that's where the plus one power could help a little bit, is on something like Omega Red. No kidding. You, you give them a little bit more of a shot, right? Maybe they have plans for ongoing cards coming in the future, and they know, like, okay, we know Onslaught's not played, but, you know, we, we see the grand picture. Of course, it's so hard to, to know what they have coming out, right, obviously, Alex. Uh, another one that I know you are, you, you know, you, you definitely came up with some decks early on about the card, and talk about just perfect card to just get a little, a little dash a little sprinkle of some mother effing power would just be a 5-8 a Nick Fury. Maybe would you feel I that? love Nick Fury. I think he can be a 5-8. I think the on reveal of adding three six cost cuts your hands is pretty cool. It's perfectly on point with the shield archetype, one might say. I like the card. I just think that it feels, it doesn't feel that bad to play on five, honestly. Like five seven's not bad, right? But it just doesn't quite give you enough confidence. I think having one extra power might be enough. Like, because we, we got one extra power in Spider-Woman. It didn't shatter the meta, even though I said it would, yeah. <laughs> right? But like, but like, you know what I mean? Like Nick Fury, I think, is a candidate that could benefit from that additional power. One extra power? Let's just see how it goes. You know, he's a flagship of the game. He's on the main commercial. You might as well give him a little bit of love. But yeah, definitely one that I think a small power adjustment would make some sense, Alex. Uh, overall, it's tough to talk about new cards because they need to fix the acquisition first. We can't really talk about new cards till the acquisition changes. But if there was a new card, this right here is the least played card in all of Snap. And talk about a card that could have some potential. You just have to figure it out. I think he was completely molded in the Zabu days. And now that that's changed, he is definitely weird. Definitely awkward. He can work in some ways, but he's not a great card. Shadow King is who we're talking about. Set all cards here to the original base power. And Alex, I was, I was playing with a little Shadow King. I got this variant in my shop. And every time I get a new sexy variant, I'm like, all right, I got I to gotta dabble. I got to see what I can come up with. And like the coolest thing I could think of was I was having a Bast in the same deck. I was having all my cards at three. I would play them early like a Maximus. And then on turn six, I would slam down the king and then bring that power back up by surprise. But that's so niche. Like, like do you think a 4-4, four, four, uh, lower his cost? What, what could they do with something like this? It could be. I mean, it's a crazy tech card. It's a really interesting tech card. I think it had potential to be really, really awesome. I think you're right that because it was a pool five card during the like heyday of Zabu, it probably got slept on, right? Like, I think that if it was more accessible during the Zabu heyday, then you would have seen more experimentation with it. I think it's a card that's not seeing play because no one's spending tokens on it. Like, no one in their right mind would, except you, apparently. And at the end of the day, like, what if it just did it to the opponent's side? Because you kind of have the, this is kind of a Valkyrie effect. Almost, not quite. Obviously, Valkyrie is different, but what if this just impacted your opponent's side? Is that too OP? 
Well, it's, you know what I mean? it's interesting because like times like you don't want it to because of things like the new quantum realm or hazmat, you can bring your cards back up, but I get what you're saying. And it would be nice to kind of have it be more consistent and how many people are actually using it in the right way of doing something cheeky like that. Nobody guys, nobody's playing this card. And it's funny that we can't even waste our time on it too much because nobody has the card. So it is at a weird place, but talk about just, if you're looking at metrics, Alex, this is... <laughs> got to be towards the top of the list and there's definitely more we've talked about angel we've talked about hawkeye you know we've talked crystal as clear as day one that nobody plays but to wrap up the list we've got the ability change and these are always so tough to come up with i don't even think we have an answer but talk to me about Electra. i know you put her up here and uh, i'll kind of kick from her and, and then we'll shift to sunspot and get to the nerfs now, the reason why I bring up Electro is because it's a card that like, I actually really like. I have often found myself wanting to include Electro over and over again because the amount of sunspots we see. And you know, sometimes Killmonger doesn't quite fit in the list at three cost. So Electro becomes like this turn six play where you can like play Electra in conjunction with like a Devil Dinosaur turn six, wipe out their seven power sunspot. And that's like an eight point swing, right? It's huge. And I think that's probably why the balance of Electra is difficult because it can have these late game swings, but it's kind of a card that you obviously can't play on turn one. Like even if you have initiative, like what do you do, right? Like yeah, right. you can't play it on turn one. So you hold it. So I kind of wonder about Electra sometimes. And if just being a one, two would be enough to just allow her to be in more decks where like you can play her on turn four in conjunction with like a Bishop or, you know what I mean? Like just get her in, in the mid game yeah. where perhaps she can still have an impact, but she doesn't feel like a dead card otherwise. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting with the release of Kitty Hawk coming out, who is a one cost card that will probably rival Sunspot as far as just usability. Now we don't know if she'll be included with the way they want to introduce new cards. She could be locked for a long time. But I think it does bring up the fact of just one cost in general is a very complex cost at the moment and is kind of getting dominated by one type of card. Clearly seeing Sunspot, I think, is in over about 60% of games, which is just astronomical. I mean, that's definitely a stat line that I don't need to be a developer to know that it's probably too much, right? And so, you know, we might as well go into the nerf side of it. I do have Sunspot as a candidate, and I know it's tough because he, he's one that I think is a bit more tricky. I don't think you touch the ability of what he does. But I do think a 1-0, kind of the Angela treatment, just give them a little bit of a tougher time might be what they need to do to just bring more competition in the one-cost area. They did it with Angela and Mysterio, and I would say successfully, Alex, two-cost is pretty competitive for the most part in what you play. I actually wonder what the average ending power of a sunspot is. Like, I've never thought about it until you just said it. Like, if I were to tell you that the average sunspot ends a game at 1-5, would you be surprised? You know, that's actually a good question, man. I feel like maybe a 1-5 or like a 1-6, like outside of a Shang-Chi range, not exactly. I mean, you get the high sunspots, but probably an average of 1-5 or 1-6. But like 1-5, seriously, like that's that's okay. You're right. I think this is like a definite nerf candidate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, right? Sunspot is a tricky one at that. But speaking of nerfs, now we don't have a couple on this list, but these are the main offenders. Obviously, Arrow's not here, and, and she could be talked about in some other ones. But the main offenders are right now the Shuri Red Skull problem. We've got Leech that, of course, we will be talking about plenty in several subjects today. He's the hot topic. Timestone and Space Stone, really just Thanos. Is it Lockjaw? Is it Quinjet? But let's go ahead and start off with the power problem, per se, and that is Shuri. Now, Thanos, I think there are ways to fix the way that it works with the stones, and, and we're going to break that down. But with Shuri, I think it really starts with Red Skull. He's a 15, 
His drawback is not that much, Alex. There are things to get rid of that drawback very easily. He is what Mike and I get the I get the ongoing effect. I get the interaction of it. Uh, he's unique, and I think right now he's obviously something that clearly enables Shuri a ton and probably presents some of the power problems we're finding. Uh, what What are your opinions on Red Skull as a nerf candidate? Red Skull is absolutely tricky, and you're right. And remember, we're just in the early stages of Sauron as well, because Sauron's going to drop to pool four, eventually be pool three, and then all of a sudden Red Skull is going to be even more prevalent, right? So we're not really dealing with Sauron right now, but you're right. Like even with Shuri, like this this ongoing means nothing. Like you don't have to zero this. You know what I mean? Like you really don't have to zero this. And like before Shuri, I think you did. But now, who cares? Like, who cares? 30 power is going to trump 8 power given to the opponent's side every time. And it's not even just the third. It's it's the fact that you can Taskmaster that so easily is, is what's so crazy. Making Taskmaster officially, uh, essentially a 530 or 515 with no drawback, right? Which is also just yeah. kind of crazy. One thing I'll mention as well as a nerf candidate and kind of topic with this discussion is, is Taskmaster. Why is Taskmaster pulling power out of the graveyard? Why is that happening? Why is a destroyed card that's been Shang-Chi'd getting Taskmastered? That is nonsense. I don't care what anyone says. You want to nerf Shuri? Nerf that. You That might fix it. You Shang-Chi Red Skull, it's a 30 power in the graveyard. A Taskmaster's like, LOL, and just comes in anyway? Come on. That whole deck archetype gets weaker with that change. You don't even have to touch Red Skull, possibly. You change that about Taskmaster, and perhaps you change everything. Interesting. I can't think of anything else that goes off the graveyard off the top of my head like that. So I, I do like that a lot. Uh, and again, guys, we're not saying these have to be nerfed. These are the ones that we've seen kind of outspoken the most. Let's go now and talk about the stones. When it comes to the stone, Alex, Space Stone and the Time Stone. Those are the ones that I'm seeing the most complaints about. I don't... I, <laughs> outside of Leech, the Time Stone feels like a good card. I think it's not the worst card. The Space Stone... I would be sad about nerfing in some ways because finally move gets something that they can enable with. But I'm seeing people say they want it to kind of work like cloak, which you can move cards to the location instead of out. That could be a fix. What are your thoughts here with the stones? Yeah, I like that cloak idea because the idea with the space stone that makes it so incredibly powerful is that even though it's not on the board, you're able to cycle something out of the lockjaw location, which happens before any on reveals. So even if I have initiative and I'm against the Thanos uh, deck and I drop a Shang-Chi to hit their Thanos that just got pulled out of lockjaw, mm -hmm. the space stone allows the Thanos to move prior to the resolution of my card. Yes. And so like it's that like dodgeball effect that makes it extremely hard to hit. And I really like the idea of the cloak effect. However, I thought the original flavor was cool too. The idea was like a reverse cloak. You can move it out of there it's just with the lockjaw it's too powerful like you pull these massive cards and you get a free kind of like get out of jail free card from shang chi because it just moves what's funny though alex is like this uh, i made this graphic pretty much the day thanos came out i think it was the day after and i gave space and time an s tier ranking right because even then you can tell the effects and the power behind it However, it's when you combined it now and we've kind of crafted this lockjaw terrifying deck. But I do think it's going to take some time. I, I don't think we're going to see a fix right away. Maybe they fix Thanos and the Quinjet and making it zero. We'll have to see. Now, Alex, going to our next subject, we have developer question and answer. It's the first time here on the Snapchat. What I did is I went to the Discord and I found the top questions asked from the community. And then we have the answers from the developers. A lot of cool stuff here and what could come out and why they're doing certain things such as their balance patches, their thoughts on Leech from the head guy of balance. A lot of great stuff to break down here. 
Uh, so we're going to go ahead and we will have a developer on the Snapchat in the future. This is definitely something that we've had lined up and we're ready to rock and roll. Our first question asked from the community was, do you have plans to patch more outside of just once a month? And their response, they had kind of two. First of all, that they're working on some new technologies to allow us to balance more frequently if required. And they can hopefully stop kind of like out of control metas, which I thought they already touched on a bit with the not needing a patch. But the other answer that they had for this essentially was that they're weighing a few things, including how much is too much when it comes to changing the games for players trying to adapt. And in general, people that are more casual, if they come back and they play the Hulk and he's changed, is that a bad experience? And uh, I think that's an interesting take and interesting thought process. Uh, what do you think, Alex? Yeah, and I think there's the other thing to be said that giving players an opportunity to figure out the meta too, I think is important. Like having everything just solved all the time, I don't think actually helps anybody. Like if Thanos is running wild, like I don't like, let's say Thanos starts running wild for a week. We shouldn't be begging for the nerf the next week. Start running Killmonger. Start running cards that you think are going to solve that problem. Like we're in a situation right now where I think the major problem is that the Shuri style and the Thanos style decks, which are so prevalent, it's hard to answer both because they have completely different board states, right? Yeah. Like you have one that zoos and one that just smacks two locations with extreme power and neither one really cares about the other in a vacuum because you can't counter both. You're trying to like, you're trying to do too much. You can either counter Shuri or you could counter Thanos. Countering both feels very difficult. You're giving somewhere, right? And so... Like, I think that allowing players to have the agency to actually try to solve the meta themselves without having the numbers have to get adjusted all the time is good. Because just like we talked about before, how Thanos sat silent for months until realistically it kind of really stormed into the meta. I mean, maybe we just have not realized what the solution actually is. Maybe it's sitting in front of us the whole time. Maybe it's Shadow King. Just no one has it, right? Yep. It's not Shadow King, but you know what I mean. Absolutely, man. I, I I get the point there. Definitely just like give a little bit more time. Don't have like gut reactions, no matter how frustrating it might be. But uh, I, again, I understand somewhat both sides. Uh, we do have another question, guys. And the next one is rolling back old nerfs. So essentially things like Angela, other cards in the past that did get nerfed in the meta today. If they needed to be buffed, will you still buff them? We haven't seen it yet. And I actually touched on the Destroyer. I think that's one that could easily go back to its original state at the time. It was just dominating on the ongoing, you know, Spectrum list. Now it's a bit more tame. Uh, and they said, we especially eye monitor all the cards for balance improvements, agnostic of whether they've been previously adjusted. So they don't look at previous adjustments. And the specific cards you listed are actually all doing fine. So the, the, the community member mainly listed Destroyer and Angela. What, what else outside of Destroyer has been toned down? His leader, man, I mean, like what? Yeah, leader got completely dismantled. Like leader can't be in its final form. There's no way that is the intention for leader because leader mm -hmm. got completely dismantled. The other card that kind of comes to mind is Bishop. It's a 3-1 and outside of Mysterio, like I do, do not see Bishop being played at all. It was a 3-2, but it was a very powerful 3-2. But as a 3-1, I almost never see it. Not even a negative anymore. It's not making negative lists anymore. I actually, yeah, I forgot that Bishop did get nerfed. Been so long now, I guess. So we do have another question for reworks for the developers, and it was essentially, what are the factors leading to a card rework? How does one get the Wolverine treatment instead of, you know, just a plus one power? To which they replied, it depends on the role we'd like the card to fulfill, how well it's doing so, and how effective the available knobs are, which is designer speak for the card's elements, we can change to tune the balance. Generally, we want to change the cards rarely from a rework standpoint, but not never. 
I think it's interesting. Again, we're not game devs, but I, I understand what they mean by knobs. Like, what are the dials that they can turn to kind of make those minor adjustments, power, energy cost, effect kind of impact? Like, all that makes sense. Uh, the Wolverine treatment, I think, was huge because, like, it was extremely flavorful. And Wolverine is such an iconic hero that, like, you obviously you get very early in your experience in Marvel Snap. It made sense. But I keep coming back to this idea that, like, if you're going to completely rework a card, that could just be a new card. Yeah, you know what I mean, like that could be a new future card that has that newly reworked effect. But wait, like an infomercial, there's more. I actually missed out on the other part of the paragraph here. It says the more a card costs, Alex, the more tuning we can do with the cost and power since the relative strength of higher value changes. Essentially, they're knobs that can change. He says, take Wasp, for example. She has basically no knobs because of the cost and power are both too severe. So if we wanted to buff or nerf her, we'd have to get creative. But Magneto's full of knob cost power cost pulled, total cards pulled, all of that. So that is interesting. And that is actually a great response, but you need to turn the knobs more often. <laughs> is my opinion. Yeah. You need to adjust the knobs. It's a bit of an insight into like why Electra hasn't been touched up or Medusa hasn't been touched up or Human Torch because like I guess that's it's true. That one power, you can't do, oh, it's 1.5 power now or like one and a quarter power. Like it doesn't make sense, right? So on those lower costs, they're 100% right. Like the each adjustment is that much more extreme percentage-wise. Yep, and that is, that does, again, it's funny. As soon as we can get an answer for some of this stuff and I, I don't think the devs aren't communicating and this is really cool. I think I want a bit more communication, especially on this kind of stuff and more blog posts maybe would be a better way to fix that. But this next one is a very interesting discussion here. In terms of balancing, the community member asked, but do you measure the cards fun factor? Or should I probably say unfun factor, like how much frustration it creates for the player base? He continues on with take leech. I don't think he's overpowered, perfectly fine power wise, but he's such an unfun card to play against in collecting card games. It's about collecting cards, planning and building good decks, trying out new combos and playing your opponents in which they said, yes, we measure fun. It's more important cards be fun than balance. That's a hot take. That's what makes them appealing. Among my duties as game designer, it's to forecast the player's experience and interpret their feedback as well as how that data corresponds to feedback. Now, they said on Leech specifically, most card games, ours included, manage keeping many different cards fun and strong by ensuring there's meaningful counterplay against all of them. Designers often call these cards serving this role release valves and that they remove the pressure created by strong cards. Now, Leech is exactly such a card. His role is to offer players a clean answer to decks trying to just pack all their power in at the last minute, such as Silver Surfer or the Death Wave decks. This isn't because we don't want these powerful decks to exist, but it's because we want to ensure a variety of powerful decks can exist. And then they finish up with release valves, especially ones that restrict players become more problematic when dominant decks include them as wide-ranging protection. We don't want Leech or other Valves to be our most played cards for their cost, but it is important for them to exist and be good at their jobs, which is a careful balance to manage. Wow. That right there is why on the title down there, it says Unnecessary Evil. And it is a great subject. And I thought that was actually a pretty solid response because it gives us a peek into what they're thinking, I think. Yeah, it makes perfect sense, right? Like it's it's something that has to exist to prevent kind of the complete onslaught of these turn six wom like wombo combos. I totally understand. It's fascinating to think about that fun factor because when we talk about cards, like something like Galactus is very fun to play, not fun to have played against, right? Leech, the, is, Leech isn't even fun to play. 
Like you don't even see the effect. Nobody feels good playing Leech. Nobody. Yeah, no one like there's nothing about Leech that ever feels good. Yeah, I totally understand that. I totally understand where they're coming from. And I'm glad they're keeping an eye on that that fun factor. Because I think at the end of the day, it's the most important thing. Well, what are we playing a card game for? To have fun. But he said it correctly that those counterplay cards will always be the ones in question. Like leader was this exact thing. And he was the exact thing, right? And then he was being used too much in top index. It's why Cosmo. Arrow and Shang-Chi are just the most hated cards because what are they? They took away your play that you want to do and they need to exist. It's the extent. And we're going to talk about it on yours a bit more, but I did see somebody suggest that Leech maybe doesn't take care of all the high-end cards, maybe some of the low-end combo cards. Like there is a middle ground. And again, we will talk about that. Let's get to the next question and answer here, but I thought that one was great. Now, this is a, a, a fun, cheeky one. How stable is the current player base and the influx of new players? Is this game active enough to support the 10 plus year model you aim for? In which one of the devs, Steven, said, We just won Dice Mobile Game of the Year last night. The winner is Marvel Snap. Humble brag, nicely done. Uh, but the player base is healthy and growing, and we are in an amazing shape for the 10 plus years of support. And I can actually back that, at least from the analytics I have, as far as new Same. players coming in, I definitely have seen that uptick. And it's yeah, very same. steady. Guys, I'm going to echo. It's it's a, it's a very new game. Let's keep it together, people. I'm sorry. Let's keep it together, guys. They've got a plan. We'll see how it goes. Even terrible games the last couple of years. I think, I think we'll be fine. But obviously, we do want to continue to see the trust and the response like we have been. And that's where, you know, some of this comes from, Alex. So next one is a short question and a short answer. It's where is the roadmap? It's been two months in which the dev said it is coming soon. And overall, I do think they've done a good job with communication. There's a couple things I would change. What are your immediate thoughts? I'll give you the floor first. Yeah, the communication has been amazing. Like, honestly, Glenn is on Twitter all the time answering questions. We're getting these Q&As done. Like, this is this is unheard of in many development circles, right? Like, this is crazy how much communication we're getting. And I cannot say thank you enough. Like, we cannot take this for granted. This is incredible, the amount of communication we're getting. I agree. I do think, though, what I will say is I don't want people to have to come to the Snapchat or have to come to an update video where I'm pulling tweets. I would love to see it in a blog post. I would love to see this stuff I in agree. a blog post in the game and release that communication to more people, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. And that would be definitely helpful because people do have to dig for it a bit. Like even me, like I, I'm on their Discord and I get all the announcements and stuff, but like it can be a little in, unintuitive sometimes to find what you're looking for. And because there's just so much, it's it's volume. It's a huge Discord server. There's a lot going on, right? So I do agree that perhaps handling like a blog post style format would be beneficial to kind of take the highlights from the questions, the ones that got upvoted the most or whatever, and kind of putting them into a blog post. I think that's a great idea, Cozy, and I think it would really help put a lot of the questions a lot of people have at ease because there's, I mean, let's take, let's be honest, there's not, there's a lot of people that aren't on the Discord. There's a lot of people who aren't on Twitter. There's a lot of people who don't listen to the Snapchat. How dare you? But anyways, the idea is, is that like there are people that aren't getting this information and they're just sitting there wondering like, huh, is this ever going to get better? Putting it in the game client, putting it in the news section. I've been seeing like podcasts in there and stuff too, like from like, I think Marvel officially, like throwing that in there, I think is good. You want to assume the player doesn't watch YouTube doesn't go to discord you want to assume that they're playing it on the toilet and they want to uh whatever right they want to just update it and they're just a casual player i think that that would answer a lot of the communication questions as a whole our marvel snap wish list let's talk about our biggest wish list items things that we want to see i want to know what you guys want to see it's important alex i'm going to let you kick it off what is a huge thing that you would like to see from Marvel Snap, the game and the devs and everything. There are three major things I want to see. So I'll start with one. Okay. And I've talked about it before. It's the widescreen UI. 
the proper PC widescreen UI. I would love it. I mean, I think this the visual style of this game is absolutely incredible. The art's incredible. The way that the cards land on the board, the way they interact, the whoosh effect of Arrow, the pull effect from Polaris, all that stuff is so good. And it would just look so much better in proper landscape widescreen. And uh, you could do way more with the board. I mean, think about it. Like Hearthstone's board was actually tons of fun. There were secrets. You could make fireworks go off. And like, there's like actual interactive elements on the board. We need, I think we need to get there. And I think they will. I think they will. Like we they clearly have a ton of talent for design. There's no question about it. And I think these boards are going to be amazing. Could the boards be season pass rewards? Of course, I'm running ahead, but I think a proper widescreen UI has got to be on the top of my list. Yeah, just visuals with that, right? Like the UI way up there. But as you said, I think art is what they do some of the best. I would love to see the art change on the board. And God, listen, I'm a sucker for the Marvel Snap music. But for the love of God, we got to get tracks introduced into the game somehow or another. It doesn't have to be official Marvel. But like, that's another adjustment that like, I love the do, do, do. I can't, I can't do it every day, though. I have to turn it off, right? So, or even more so, I know that the audio in the game while you're doing a battle was tuned to playing a card, whatever. Make a couple more of those, maybe, you know, I don't know, switch them up. I'd like to see that. That's kind of a, a, a small wish list item to tag onto the UI, but I agree. Absolutely. My first one that I would pick, and I think this alleviates a huge part of complaining about the meta, and that is new game modes. Right now, all we've got is climbing the ladder. That's about it. If you want to play Marvel Snap, you can climb the ladder, which makes you more pissed about infinite or makes you mad about your rank. Or you logged in, you went from 51 to 56 down to 48, and you're like, why am I playing this? Or like, what a crap experience. I really think a new game mode alleviates a lot of this. Now, don't know which one they go for first. I personally would like to see kind of a draft game mode where they offer up some cards and heck, cards you don't even have. And then people are making decks. They're going into a series of games or they're doing a tournament with them or whatever it might be. But you draft your deck. You get some good rewards. The rewards have to be there. And then at that point, you're not going to see the same deck all the time. If you're sick of ladder, you're sick of Thanos, you go over there and you play some drafted games and you make unique decks to you. You use your knowledge. I think a new game mode is going to spark more excitement and get rid of a lot of the anger, which is caused by the meta. What are your thoughts? I agree 100%. I think that was funny. My second most requested thing, it actually should be the first, would be like a draft-based mode. I think a draft-based mode would be incredible for this game. I mean, it would just do wonders. It would really do wonders for the game. And you're right, because if you get sick of the ranked ladder, then that is a great opportunity to play something very unique. And I bet you it has to be on their plans. Like, I'm sure it would be on their their plans. Maybe far in the future, it sounds like something that would take a lot of development resources. But it's it's definitely something that would be amazing. Now, one thing I'm going to say, though, that I see a lot of suggestions for unranked mode, right? And I think that's a very valid suggestion. And I think that unranked mode ultimately is really important. Now, I'm going to say, this is a hot take, I'm sorry, but the concern I have about implementing a unranked mode, specifically before a full-fledged PC launch, is that if matchmaking is already terrible, right? Now getting now segmenting the player base even further with unranked might make matchmaking even worse. You know what I mean? Because right now, at least you have a greater pool of players when you're trying to matchmake with appropriate ranks. If you have unranked, although listen, I know we want it. I know it's an important part of the game. The matchmaking in ranked gets a lot more suspect. There's going to be longer wait times and stuff like that. But if you have a less pool to draw from because more people are playing unranked, 
then perhaps the matchmaking just suffers from it. They just need to add a random queue to battle mode. And like, I get it. You still take people from that. It doesn't get rid of what you say. And I get what you're saying too. The concurrent players are pretty good though for Snap. It's interesting. They're spread out a lot. They're spread out a ton. So maybe unranked mode, you just plop against anybody. That way you don't really I worry about it. That's what you're about. saying. Like, that's why they can't do boosters and stuff in there. You don't want to bring any incentive outside of not playing ranked to unranked. I think that's a very tough one to figure out, which is why they've already said on Twitter, we're getting a competitive game mode next. And they mean competitive more of probably just like active achievements, climbing and making something obviously competitive. Uh, so the uh, new game mode way up there, Alex. Another one that I have on here is customization to friendly battles. I don't know how to do this on a large scale, but tournaments guys, we're just at the beginning of what that looks like in the fun factor. But having ego happen in a large tournament which i have seen is not good it's something you don't want and also you can then get rid of sherry for a tournament you want to have with your friends or whatever that might be i don't know if that's the first thing that needs to come but i, I think that'd be a fun small thing what's a small introduction you'd like to see a nice small thing that i'd like to see is the opportunity to either customize or select the borders on the cards yeah so I get it why like the borders were there and they existed, but I think it'd be awesome to just bring that along with cosmetic card stuff. We just talked about the art design, how good it is. And I think we, we've said this on a Snapchat, but you open it up, you get a random Shang-Chi frame that you can now use for Shang-Chi or for whatever that might be. It feels weird that I have to kind of hold back on upgrading. Let's say like wave, for example, I've got this great inkified wave and I'm not touching this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mess with this. This is the best look for it, in my opinion, at least, right? But then there's been some not lucky ones, and it doesn't look too bad. But I didn't really know about it, and I did the Sheik, and I had it per or the She Hulk, and I did it purple. But it's. I wish I could take it back. I wish I could change it. I wish I could shift it around for Red Skull. I like that a lot. I think visual changes to the borders definitely up there. Now, along with visual, I think there's. So many things uh, we just kind of touched on doing the game board and just small visual things. The variant system so great. Bring that to other elements of the game. However, Alex, what I want to talk about is this is a Marvel game. And listen, maybe that's why I have so much fun with it. And even though it is hyper competitive, I think the true fun is that we're playing Marvel. And, and that's what lasts. I think even Ben Brode said himself. A card game that was like laser hands versus super strength isn't cool. It's weird. It's, it's not weird. It just doesn't do as well. And it's not long lasting. We come back to play and have live in the world of Marvel, if you will. If everything's super competitive on the ladder, what's a good way to divert from that? I think it's making it a bit more fun in some thematic stuff, whether it's the events that they want to kind of redo if we're being honest or if there's introduction to the game mode where it is x-men week or it's conditionary if it's not a draft game mode this still answers it a little bit in some like uh, encouraged deck design and they certainly know the numbers better than we do on who exactly is an x-men who exactly is a villain they kind of teased it on that update video and they're like yeah you can do these if you want to it's like no we should have that included in some way or manner via events or again, if they did this on like a theme tournament, I don't know. What 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 are your thoughts? It's very Marvel. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a great idea. Like I think that anytime you can work with the themes with the cards, I think you're doing like a service to not only the fan base, but to the IP that really like okay, the, the gameplay of the game's fantastic. But like we can't underestimate or understate how important the Marvel IP is here. Like it is a genuinely selling point of this game. Like I was never a Marvel fan. Like I was like, I casually watched the Marvel stuff, but this game has me in Marvel. 
Like it is that impactful. And I think you're right. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. And it's talk about just, it's one of Marvel's strengths. And I think they could easily capitalize on that, Alex. Let's talk about new cards, Alex. New cards coming into the game. Card acquisition, we've talked about. But new cards specifically. Do you think there's enough coming? Do you want more into the game? How do they bring those into the game? What are your opinions on just new cards in general? I think that there's probably enough coming right now. And if you can fix the acquisition of them, then I think the problem starts to correct itself. I think adding more cards in the current state of acquisition doesn't help anything because no one can play them anyways. So to add all that added development time and to like, you know, ruin hype by just over-releasing all your cool cards at once, I think it's probably not ideal. I think correcting the acquisition model first to allow those cards to have a greater impact on hype, excitement, and playability, I think is the first step. Yep, absolutely. Leech Cozy is a huge topic of discussion right now. And um, I think for good reason. And it's a complex discussion because Leech serves a very important role in Marvel Snap, right? It is the balance that has to exist for these wild turn six shenanigans, which can just be a little too oppressive at times, right? We got some cards that can be pretty damn wild. But at the same time, Cozy, Leech can feel terrible. Yeah, Leech. <laughs> You know what's great? We have a brand new season. Brand new. Nimrod's out, which I'll talk about that in a second on our next subject. Uh, I do think they need to have a bit more iconic characters for season passes. Black Panther, even MODOK. But Leech is probably by far the most mentioned card that I've had this week. And usually that is Nimrod by a far amount or the season pass character. My comments have been littered with Leech. And I understand the hate. It's very complex. In the Q&A section of my part of the video, we had one of the lead balance designers talk about Leech specifically. And I think what he does well, Alex, is he talks about disruptors as a whole and why, of course, they're going to feel not great. And you're going to have extra anger towards those cards, right? Uh, Death Wave, it's annoying, but it's, you know, there's things you can do. But then when you had things like Leader or Leech or just these other cards that completely frustrate you and disable your play kind of like bad locations it's the first thing that you're going to think of to be uh angry about right uh, so they did say this on leech specifically that most card games ours included manage keeping many different cards fun and strong by ensuring there's counter play and essentially they're talking about the designers having a close eye on disrupt your counter plays and that they don't sneak their way into more of the top decks to use them as additive cards for even more stomping on the other decks. And I I thought that was a great way to talk about what they call release valves uh, and ones that are restricting players. That's why things like, you know, obviously Black Bolt probably has not been touched up. They need to be careful with those and the over abuse of the uh, counterplay that you would be having with the card. And so Leech might be towards the top, towards the top of those frustrating counterplay cards that you have to be careful with. And they are monitoring his use overall. He's got to exist, but it's got to be in a different way, in my opinion. It's interesting that you say that he has to exist because I do agree. And I think that Sandman kind of like resolves a bit of the the turn six, like crazy combo plays. Um, Leader obviously did that as well, but Leader was extremely non-interactive and probably wasn't healthy for the game and now has been completely thrown off to the wayside. Yeah. But like Leech, I think the problem with Leech is, is that... It's one of those cards that completely dismantles 
the play play pattern and the play opportunity of a player. Like when you're playing a card game, you're playing a card game because you like to play cards, right? Because you want to play with the cards that you've built, that you have a deck with in mind that has certain synergies. And while Leech is important, it completely robs your cards of their identity. And I think that's important to understand. Like the identity of Magneto completely changes when it gets hit by Leech. The identity of Black Panther completely changes. The identity of Galactus, of Null, all these cards completely changes when it's impacted by leech and so suddenly the impact of it can feel awful for the player that's being affected because now they, they they just can't play the game the way they intended and of course it's a counterplay but at the same time it's uh its effect is so negative that it could like we talked about fun factor leech is extremely unfun to have played against you because it renders your hand effectively useless unless you intended for your hand to be useless by like holding an infinite for the leech play <laughs> Yeah, man, Leech is tricky. He's a tricky one, and I think there are some decent ability suggestions that you could do to Leech and Leader, right? They went right for the, the head. <laughs> they completely killed that card. How do you not kill off Leech while also making him have to exist in the game? Uh, these are some of my favorite ones, and I... Let me say all three, Alex, and then you tell me which one you think would be the best fit for Leech, or maybe he stays the same, right? So number one, Leech is a 4-3, an on reveal removes the abilities of all one to three cost cards from your opponent's hands. So those are the combo sets setups. Those are the little ones. And the stance behind that was Shang-Chi and other cards are already existing to take care of the higher cost cards. Yes and no. I think that one's interesting. The next one, and this one I think is probably my favorite, is that Leech only removes the abilities for the next turn. That's my favorite. That's what I was before you even did the list. That was what I was going to say. No question. That is by far my favorite because if it gets if it gets lockjawed out or time stoned out, like it it solves the problem and it provides counterplay, meaningful counterplay. Where like I can be like I just ain't playing my cop. I'm not playing Nimrod yet. I'm not playing Zol. I'm not. I'm going to hold it on. Hey, I played Electro. I can play Zol on turn turn uh, six. That's fine. I can. You know what I mean? It's like and then you dedicate it. Like if you have uh, let's say the the player plays it on five, they dedicate it on five. Well, okay, they don't get the power right, so they're using yeah. that to to shut down your six, and that's why they have Leech in the game. They they stated that right to shut down the uh, decks that just hold on to these big cards, and so. I do think that would be the easiest fix for the time stone for all the interactions that are leech. Would it fix the lockjaw problem? Like, eh, yes and no. Uh, but I, I do like that. The other one I saw, just to say the third one, was that leech hits three cards in your hand or like half your hands. The reason I don't like that is because I swear to God, it's going to be Iceman all over again, right? Like, yeah. you don't want to lose to the RNG of like, let's take uh, two cards that work together, right? Like a Wong and a Gambit. And your Gambit gets hit, but you have Wong. It's like, well, you know, and that would happen, I think, more than often. So, yeah, we both agree that it would be for the next turn only. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's another kind of uh, point to be said, too, that like a fourth option could be that like Leech's on reveal is that the next card your opponent plays has its ability removed. So then you play, if you have multiple cards, you play your one drop, like your Titania, and you're like, haha, and then you play your <laughs> your Devil Dino or whatever, right? Yep. It provides counterplay. So it's very similar. Like those random ones, like hitting all the one to threes and hitting random in your hand, like that feels awful. If It's like Nakia. Like how awful does it feel to play Nakia half the time? Like it just, like the original Nakia was random, then it made it only the left side. And then it's like, what are we even doing at this point, right? Like it's still a card that feels terrible to play half the time, uh, even though I've seen it more often than I would expect, honestly. But you get what I mean, right? That random side yes. feels weird. 
you pulled this is perfect to transition to one thing about disruptors in general the chance to counterplay so arrow right arrow is a frustrating card right now the way she pulls cards is random if she pulled cards by playing right so if, if it was like the first card played and then the second card what does it do alex it still disrupts but it gives you the chance to you know five head it and have a uh counterplay to what they might do so you do play your titania first and then you play your main card or whatever that might be it's another way to have the disruption but have there be a window of counterplay absolutely and that's the thing that is missing from leech there's no counter there's no counterplay at all. You just don't get to play your cards. You get to play solitaire. And that is the problem. And I think that these solutions we're offering, they give you the opportunity to counterplay the leech effect because yes, it's effective, but it's like completely like dismantling. And for a card game, you want to have cards that do their intended effect. But like, of course, like the, it, every, nothing exists in a vacuum. Leech has to exist. We understand that. It is the necessary evil because without Leech, Deathwave, Galactus, and everything else goes absolutely insane. But I love the solutions you're providing right now. Here's the thing I will say about Leech, though, and like why I don't have a video that says I like, you know, a video standpoint around uh, Leech or Arrow or Leader at the time. Uh, leader definitely needed to be fixed. But at the same time, uh, like, I don't necessarily like uber hate leech he's annoying i think he's very annoying uh he's a one he's a one cuber for the most part or at least if they snapped ahead of time then maybe you know you're, you're pretty screwed then but if i get leech for the most part i'll look at the hand and be like i'm out and the same thing could happen with sokovia getting rid of one of my favorite cards too so like that's the way i view leech i get guys i'm a half glass full guy and most people hate me for it but personally yes i see him i went up i've been in some tournaments guys i went against him so many times in tournament playing, guess what? All was okay. Like there's ways around it. I don't know. I think he is the flavor of the month. I this is where I will have a small standpoint for the people that argue about the nerf chasing. Guy, it's exhausting, guys. As in my comment section, I used to love, but when there's a new flavor of the month card, I, I'll be honest, guy, it sucks. I hate it. I, it, I know uh, Regis, uh, another buddy, talked about it on Twitter. He wanted to ban the word leech from his... I can't even... If I were to say, man, I like Marvel Snap's music, I would get 200 comments about why leech is the worst card in the game. And I'll be honest, guys, that's annoying. It just sucks. I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And it feels like it's a new flavor of the month. We did zap it, which they fixed it correctly. But we can't always hate something because there will always be a card to hate. So it's this middle ground. And leader, obviously. And I think leech, I don't know if he's the last one. But it's like the extreme of like no fun zone is probably why he's coming up more often. And I get it 100%. I do stand for it. I don't, I just wanted to point out the other side, if you will. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And I got to be honest with you, like my comment section is the exact same. Everything I see is the exact same, except the difference between you and I is I think I got sucked into the let's hate leech zeitgeist a little bit because I fell for it. I'm like, that card hit me. And I'm just like, no, I am done with leech, man. Like, <laughs> so I, I took the bait. But what I will say though is that like there is something to be said about really destroying an opponent's hand. Yeah. And I think that in card games, that is something that has to be revered. And I'm not a designer, but at the same time, it's like Leech does something to someone's hand. Someone joined a game of Marvel Snap because they wanted to play cards and Leech was like, no. Right? Well, and it's <laughs> funny because Black Bolt only gets rid of one card, right? Whereas Leech essentially, let's be honest, pretty much gets rid of most of them, right? Like even if you yeah. can use one or two of them, it's funny how like they're like, Black Bolt, no more, no more than one. But Leech 
F it. Let's nuke the hand. You know, it's, 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 it is interesting for sure. And the other side to it too. And like, it's that think about what our six costs are. There's such iconic cards, like the cards, like this Marvel Snap game, we have a fixation on the combo centric play in the, the later half of the game. We talked about like off camera, ironically, this is a topic for another day, perhaps, but how the earlier terms are often just skipped. Like no one plays turn one because why, why bother? It's the end of the game that matters, but like, and maybe leech helps to kind of bring that turn one back because no, the end of the game can't be that as reliable, but at the same time, all the most iconic cards are like these huge turn six cards, Thanos, we have Galactus, we have Kang, we have like all these end game cards that are supposed to be so impactful. They have the biggest flavors, the biggest splashes, the biggest effects, the biggest hype moments. And they are the ones that get destroyed by Leech. And what happens though, when they release a season pass card, that's a six cost, like Galactus, but not actually Galactus. You know what I mean? A, a high impact six cost season pass card. And then everyone that wants to play it is just like, well, Leech is just going to hit me. You know what I mean? And so it completely deflates the excitement. So it's, it's this weird balance between being an important tech card, a necessary evil, and also kind of making the game feel less fun. But it's, and it's tough for them, right? Because if I have a gamma, a gambit exodia combo I'm about to pull off, yeah, that's more fun for me, right? But like leech exists to get rid of the non-fun for the opponent. But yes, I do understand. I, I get both sides. Like, it's funny. Alex, if we try to predict right now, it's March. Okay, so April, I would say probably, if you guys want to get ahead of the hate train, probably arrow if leech is changed and arrow's not. And if it's not arrow, it's going to be Cosmo. It's other disruptors that are overplayed or played a lot because of how powerful the cards they counter are, right? If you have a meta and these cards are to stop that meta, you need them in there and then you see them all the time. And so it's just like, when does it stop? You know, like what, what, yeah. what, what's your prediction? Arrow and Cosmo, right? What else would be there? First of all, I agree hundred percent. This idea of like constantly witch hunting cards is like completely unnecessary, right? Uh, but what I will say though is Arrow can win games even if she's like a five negative 5,000. Like Arrow will still win games because you're winning two locations, you disrupt it. Like Arrow could literally be a negative a million power card and you still win playing her, which is insane. Cosmo, I actually would be shocked if it got, got changed, if it got nerfed. Because Cosmo, think about it, Cosmo comes out as a 3-3, which is kind of low on the power scale. And not only that, but you have to play around it yourself. Like you can could completely screw yourself with Cosmo. Right? Like it is an effect that can negatively impact yourself as well. So adding Cosmo to your deck list require it has a higher skill cap than I think that other cards do. So I would be surprised to see Cosmo be changed, honestly, because I, I think it's in a pretty good spot. Like that's just me. Yes, it's being used a lot, but I think it's cool. I think it's a good card. I mean, so here's the deal. I am never gonna be mad about you uh, uh talking good things about my Marvel Snap wife and arrow. I will say that's one of the ways you win with her. I I I disagree. I think if they if they brought her down too much, like you would take away some of that, but I, you know, there's plenty of times where like I'm winning one lane, he's winning one lane and you know, we, I, I have to play arrow on a lane that is going to be close. So yeah, I do get what you're saying though. Like the, the, just the essential power and with Cosmo, I Cosmo is just interesting because of enchantress and or rogue the other side. But the answer to that is ongoing is ongoing. So you can kind of like nuke that in and nip it. Whereas like on reveal, you have to be a bit more uh, you got to think a little bit more with Cosmo, which I kind of think it rewards that, you know, at the same time, when you two people have Cosmo and two lanes of Cosmo, it's rough, you know, it's like it takes away because I don't know, half the cards are on reveal, if not more than that, right? Um, but it is, it's, uh, maybe it stops at Leech. Maybe it does. But I, I just want to encourage like, guys, I, I get it. Like Nimrod came out 
and and you got you know and, and leech was out in the wild thanos is still doing his thing but like don't forget to have fun with the game don't forget to have fun with the game if you're not having fun with snap then you know that's a whole nother issue but yes leech is a necessary evil that he doesn't need to be Satan. He needs to just be like a, you know, just a demon. He needs to be a little bit mean. Yeah. Can we agree that I think the best idea is having the one turn effect? I think like that by far, like that's a great starting yeah. point. And if they find that that doesn't solve the issue, then like revisit it, yeah. revisit it. Right. And Cause I don't think it's overpowered. I think that playing it cleanly on turn five is absolutely a hundred percent. Okay. Like hundred percent. That's why it exists. But I think with the time stone, I think with the, even Electro Ramp, honestly, like you get it on turn four. It's crazy. Like it's, incre it's incredibly powerful in Electro Ramp. We're kind of forgetting about Electro Ramp here. Like it is still super good in any ramp list. Well, that's the thing, right? When you have a deck right now that's at a 65 or 62 plus whatever win rate and Leech is a part of it, that's one of the main issues. That's one of the main issues because it's everywhere. It is everywhere right now, right? And it's like, yeah, because then it would just go into Electric Ramp if you do fit Thanos, right? And he still coexists into Snap's, you know, Ecosphere. Right now, it's the perfect combination of what Thanos is capable of. We haven't really seen a meta this dominant in a, in a while. In a while. Even in the Zabu days. It's, uh, there was other cards. There was other decks. Zabu was used in multiple different ways. I think it's a combination of the meta, the card, all of it, right? Um, but yes, absolutely. I think Leech can definitely, definitely get some love. Love or hate, whatever way you look at it, uh, as far as card nerfs go. Yeah, and I guess what we'll end with on this topic is like, let's leave it to the hand of the game development professionals to allow them to kind of take the reins on this balance here. Um, you know, I think for the, I don't know about you, I'm kind of, I'm done talking about Leech for a bit because it is literally all I hear about, all I see. And uh, with that being said, like, I think they come from a place of like, of merit, right? It's a very... Uh, non-interactive card that hopefully gets adjusted appropriately in the future. But uh, Cozy, the next card we got to talk about is something that like actually gets impacted by Leech ever so slightly. Well, at least its combo play does. And that is Jigglypuff. I mean, Nimrod. I mean, so we got Nimrod here. <laughs> no, this Jigglypuff has been doing push-ups. Actually, this Jigglypuff does not skip leg day. Look at those thighs. I didn't even notice those thighs. Did you, I, yeah, I didn't notice until I was stalking right now about push-ups like no those this jigglypuff does not skip like day it's actually more of a clefairy i said jigglypuff before but anyways. if you don't yeah if you don't like pokemon you're massively confused i <laughs> nimrod guys it is nimrod week he just came out what do we think about nimrod let's talk about our favorites uh you know just everything about him it's 101 combos ways you're using him right now don't even say the l word we don't need to right we've already talked about that enough uh nimrod is what i think brings Something that I would like into other archetypes, and again, we kind of didn't want the Zabu. We wanted something more archetype-specific, and so then we got the Modok. Now we have our Destroy one. Destroy is weird, because Destroy was already in a decent spot, but what I like about this, and hopefully will be the future for a lot of different archetypes, is a new win condition, a new flavor to it, because then what does that do? It really opens up not only deck design, but uh, strategy, competitive play, Destroy was as straightforward as it got, man. And uh, I think Nimrod offers combos outside of using Wave, who's not a Destroy card all the time, with Death. And so uh, I'm actually loving Nimrod. I'm enjoying uh, playing the big pink uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. What, uh, where are you using Nimrod at the moment? So I've been doing a lot of experimentation with Nimrod. Um, I have found the deck list to be a little less consistent than I would like. 
but I do find that it provides destroy with additional reach, which I think it lacked. Like you had reach into locations with like Wolverine, but it was very unreliable. Yep. So Nimrod does give you additional reach, which I think can be extremely viable for a decklist like destroy. Um, but ultimately sometimes it's, it's funny. Cause like in so many of the decks that I had, where I designed Nimrod to be a core part of it, I often find myself thinking, do I really want to play Nimrod here? Even if I had it in my hand, turn five or whatever it was. I'm like, do I really want to play Nimrod or does this other card that I have just do the job better? And I felt like I was often in those situations where I just chose that other card. And, um, so it's a weird spot because like, I don't think this is a bad card. I just don't think we've quite figured out the right spot for it. And we also have, I, I'm forgetting the name all of a sudden. It's the, was it teenage warhead that's coming out soon. Yeah. The, the three, two that blows up it like that card all of a sudden, like, okay, hold on. That is some cool synergy, right? So like we're literally within the month where Nimrod might be, get a major synergistic card, right? Which is kind of neat. So Nimrod deck building has been a little interesting. I loved your video, by the way. I thought you had a lot of creative decks and good starting points for it. Um, but like, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are specifically with like the competitiveness of it. Cause I often found myself yep. wanting a little more. Yeah. I mean, people are going to hate to hear it, right? Shuri obviously is a natural fit that goes with Nimrod and it's not only Shuri, it is Destroyer and Arnhem. So you have two different things that can work. If they leech you, you go Destroyer, you get a fat 15 power for free. Uh, if they don't, you can do Arnhem Zola. Both of them spread Nimrod a ton. It's kind of like a Deadpool in the sense of you don't want to get too cute trying to buff it, right? Like you don't want to like, I've seen decks, it's like Nokia, Forge, you know, all of it. Doesn't work. It does and it doesn't at the same time. Uh, you can kind of blend that with Deadpool. And then you have two cards that you're trying to like kind of build up over the course uh, of the game. Ramp is obviously what people are enjoying because it's a five cost and it can feel awkward. And uh, certainly I think ramp does uh, work. I am finding playing him on five and having a big turn six, whether that's uh, really a number of ways. You can do Sarah and then you can go ahead and do Nimrod plus Carnage. But yeah, if I was like looking at cards that work the best with him, uh, I would say the Destroyer and Galactus are clearly at the top. Just very good play with both of them. And again, Destroyer is good because of the Leech era at the moment. Uh, also, I find Deathlock to be pretty consistent with the card. It's it's three power. You get another five on top of that, and then you continue to spread. Really, those low-cost destroy cards is what's working because you can play multiple. I mean, you could theoretically do uh, a, a Carnage and, uh, and a Deathlock on the same turn. You can have Absorbing Man in there, so those work. Um, and then, you know, I think Nova is a good low-cost boost card that could work that you don't have to uh, do extra steps. You can have the you know, forefront to play Nova, then play Nimrod on top of it. Uh, and then Venom, man. Venom's just so fun. And Venom Venom's works, great. He works with Arnim Zola too, you know? One thing I will say that kind of took me by surprise with Nimrod was how easy it was to still lose despite having a lot of things go well. Like, for instance, there's a combination of Electro turn three, and then you have Nimrod turn four, turn five, Arnim Zola into Destroyer turn six, and there's just Nimrods, like, everywhere. <laughs> like, they're just flying you everywhere. Can, you, you can get the animations, <laughs> something to behold, and then, like, you're like, oh... They're all just five power, and it's like, and there's just Shuri and Red Skull, just like, LOL. <laughs> it's just like, damn it, like, it didn't actually do anything. But, um, I do think that, uh, this card is pretty cool. And, like, it's one of those cards, Cozy, and we, we bring it up all the time, right? We bring it up all the time. It's like, there's going to be something that comes out. Like, this card is going to be the, one of the most OP cards eventually. Like, there's going to be something that comes out. They're like, ah, damn, it's Nimrod's time. You know what I mean? <laughs> we waited for Black Bull forever, and we're still kind of waiting. Stature's awesome, but it's still. 6,000 tokens, right? But like Nimrod's time will come, I think. And uh, he, I don't know. Like, 
off right off the top of your head, are there any changes you'd make? Like gut reaction, just like right off the top of your head, gut reaction. What would you do to this card if you had to change it? No, I don't think it needs to change. I, I really don't. I don't think it needs to be like a button. I don't think it needs to be a top top. You know, in crazy card. I mean, people. It's so funny. It's like we get Zabu. Everyone's mad. It's the season pass card. Then we get one that's like even. It's like this sucks. And then it's all. It, it's it is interesting. I would say day one gut reactions to me are hilarious because it's like guys, we're so far from figuring it out. I could point out other cards that immediately kind of like eh, it's okay, and then it does really well, or it's overhyped. Thanos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> like, yeah, literally Thanos. Or Kang was like or, or, basically or, this conversation. Yeah, Noel Kang, even like Kang. It's like ah, oh, he's not that good. It's like you just wait. We don't know yet to to allow it to kind of fit into the brilliant minds that are the community. Um, with Nimrod, I think anything at five cost immediately is just a bit more tricky. I, I think I think it adds to pool one and two massively. Because of destroy options that they that they don't have, and so it's actually nice to have something there. Um, where I love to use them is Cerebro Five. Now Cerebro Five, I will be having a video on here, but uh, you know, essentially we're having all five power cards. And uh, Alex, if you filter by power, there is not a lot of five power cards in Marvel Snap. It's actually a lot tougher to make happen than you think. But now, I want to hear this pitch because this sounds like a total pipe dream. So I'm, I'm listening, but I am highly skeptical. Yeah, no worries, man. I've been playing with it a little bit. Obviously, it's Cerebro. I mean, it's going to have its problems that yeah. everybody knows. And uh, I will say, though, what's great about it is it does remove one style of location, and that is uh, destroy locations. You welcome them, right? You're like, okay, I got Death Domain. It's going to work a little bit better now. Uh, but essentially, Dr. Doom and Nimrod alone, if you could pull that combo off, you're getting several fives across the board pretty quickly. But you can get cheeky. You have Polaris moving a card, which means the next turn you can also play Miles Morales. Both are five cost. You can essentially do that for four power, two more cards. You have Omega Red. They're five cost. They're a lot. So you're going to be able to boost that up. Him included as well as his bonus. Uh, things like cheeky options like Star-Lord, who is a two cost. But if you happen to land him, he's a five cost. So Cerebro 5, will it be in the same conversation as Cerebro 2 and 3? I don't know. It will have to see. Cerebro has so much going against it, but I think it is a fun way to play it. And I will tell you this, at least for the time being, nobody is expecting it. I mean, no, but no. You, you're playing these cards and they can't really put the math together, right? Like, it's just not as obvious. So uh, it's a fun home. I don't know if it's super meta, but it's a fun home. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, Cerebro is like one of my favorite cards in the game. Like, I, if I could play just Cerebro decks, like to infinite, I would do it. But like the inconsistency, the location punishment, like there's so the, the scorpions, there's so much that just dismantles, dismantles our, our little guy Cerebro. So I love the fact that I'm Gonna, I'm gonna watch that video. I'm gonna love it because like it is one of my favorite cards in the game. I, what's funny is it's uh, what's cool though is if you don't get Cerebro or you only get Cerebro and not Mystique, I, it just performs better because they're higher cost cards. And that's where it's like something like um, Polaris True. and Miles, like they actually have a lot of value now. Like Miles at a one five is like, yeah. eh. but if you play them in a Cerebro five, you start to get that value a lot more. So again, there are so many other places that you can start to try to use these cards. Guys, is it going to beat Thanos? No, like I don't think every season pass the thing has to answer to the meta, uh, but you want it to be competitive. You want it to be playable and, and win with it. Right now, though, if you want to go against a competitive scene, it's going to be a mix of a Shuri, Arnim Zola, Destroyer deck. That's where I'm kind of find the best homes uh, for Nimrod at the moment. Um, any other juicy decks you have? I will say this too, Alex, as far as a tip. Uh, guys, make sure your lanes are set up for Nimrod. You don't want to, like, a great thing you could do is throw Ant-Man in the deck, have two spots filled, and then you put in the Nimrod and have it sneak in there and boost up the, 
the Ant-Man, if you're just dropping Nimrod and then you're dropping a Deathlock, it's pretty telegraphable. So you have to be somewhat surprising still with the card, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely a higher skill cap that people gave it credit for. And uh, one thing that I thought was really neat with the uh, with the Nimrod was like the interactions it has with Zola. Like you get more Nimrods than perhaps you originally expected, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, I actually was just thinking about this. Like in your in your Cerebro deck, are you running someone like Zola? Because if you Zola the uh, the uh, Doctor Doom, of like course. that's that's immaculate. Yep, that's amazing. So I went against oh, Snapster okay. on release of uh, uh, with Nimrod decks, and uh, he had no idea what I was running. He's like. Hmm, like a move breed because Polaris Miles and then I did the Doom and he's like hmm and then the Artem and it's like it just gets out of control. You can also do a ramp built into Cerebro 5 because a lot of these cars kind of need that extra power play. Uh, you do have to take out the Miles and Polaris. For the most part it's a little weird if you don't. You could play Polaris on 3 and if you happen to have Electro and Miles then maybe you could play both of them uh, but you go for more of a Sandman approach. And this is where I think Cerebro has a good home too with uh, Nimrod as a new card because Nimrod and Doctor Doom are incredible for obviously filling up multiple locations. You're going to need the extra help. You're going to need the extra energy. But if you limit the opponent and you're able to play Nimrod, Doom, and get some more stuff going, is it any better than Arnim Zola Doom or is it any better than an Absorbing Man after Doom or an Odin? But it is kind of cool. It does work well with Sandman. Yeah, you're selling me on it, actually. I like it. I like it. And uh, I think this is a great point to transition here into just like, okay, we're talking about Nimrod a lot, and I think there's a lot of emphasis when we talk about season passes on the card itself. And I think that's fair because, I mean, with the card acquisition as difficult as it is at time of recording, right? I know they're working on it, but at time of recording, card acquisition is hard. Like, I don't know about you, Cozy. For me, it's like, I almost like... I'm almost relieved. I guess just get to pay money and get a card. Like I'm at the point where I'm like, I get to just give you 20 bucks and get a card. Here's 20 bucks. Like, it's, right. like that's how hard the card acquisition is. Right. So we focus so much on the card acquisition and the card of the season pass, but cozy, I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite season passes we've ever had. And it's not about Nimrod. It's about everything else. It's about everything else in the package that I think is so awesome this season that I think is getting kind of swept under the rug with all the discussions about Nimrod and, and Leech and other things. Like, this season pass is great. Dude, I think it's great. It's like, X-Men. What is, not, what is there not to love about X-Men? And I will say this. Nimrod was just kind of a weird card to, like, have as the forefront, maybe. Like, you know, maybe they lead with an X-Men, like Jean Grey. There's something that they have really... Like, yeah. I pr- like, probably, because, again, if you're, like, a casual snapper, or, like, you, who's not into Marvel, you're just like, who the hell is this guy? Right? I was, yeah, I, I was like, what? Who the hell is Nimrod? Like, I saw this picture. I'm like, what? Right? And like, like, if you told me, like, I want you to draw the most... Yeah, oh, there it is! Look at it! It's basically that! Oh, my God! Cozy! This is, this is gold. This was from my video. I'm like, hey, guys, if you don't know what the heck it is, this is kind of what you're probably thinking, right? Like, it's so funny. <laughs> it's just... You got to do the audio viewers justice here. You got to do the description Yeah, we got, a jig- we got a Jigglypuff plus a Machamp equals a Nimrod. It's essentially the crossbreed. If you breed them together, this is probably what you would get. <laughs> and uh, uh, I can't find the other photos that uh, that I had supporting it here. But yes... The uh the variants <laughs> the Jigglypuff. I just love Jigglypuff. Look at it. It's making me so happy. It's just it's <laughs> incredible, right? But yeah, man, you you kind of talked about it right. The whole season bass is, is pretty dang cool. We get a Dan hit, which is, is always welcomed, right? Uh, awesome. As the variants, the Sentinel variant, delicious. The card back, haunting. 
Um, and uh, obviously the the Wolverine is just cool. Wolverine has a lot of good variants, but this one's awesome. Uh, getting the Dan Hip variant, I think, is awesome. Uh, we've been getting some really awesome variants, eh? Like the Savage Land variants were awesome. These ones are awesome too. Uh, the card back is beautiful. The uh, the that red card back there, the X Men card back. Yep. The Infinite card back is absolutely insane in yellow too. They're both awesome. I like the red one. The yellow one's fantastic as well. Um, the I mean, I'm a huge fan of unlocking kind of like the the uh, the variants along the way as well. Like just overall being able to engage with the progression of a season pass, I think is valuable. And we do know that on their roadmap, they want to improve these season caches as well, which I think is a very valuable thing, right? Um, there's just a lot to like. I mean, they clearly put effort into the quality of the content of the season pass. And yep. I think that as time goes on, I think they're going to improve the quality of the season passes and make them much more enticing, which I think is a good thing because I think the more season passes they sell, the more they that we get to support the game. And for those of us that are buying the season pass, it, it feels great to get like a little bit of value for your money, right? And um, I just think that they're starting to really get in tune with like what people want in these season passes because I think this is one of the best ones by far. Like the art and everything's incredible. I want to end on this subject with with a question for you. And they because we talked about how they can change some cards. We've talked about buffs and nerfs. But one thing I want to kind of throw in there that I just like want the public's opinion on is small, small synergy within the actual Marvel. So I'll pull up uh, I'll pull up our, our my my reference here. Uh a little bit too big, but X-Men, right? So if we had the X-Men. Cyclops, very underwhelming, right? But if you had a way to have, if you played the X-Men, they had a small bit, like maybe if you have four X-Men, you get plus one power to those cards. Or like the Avengers, right? Because like right now you play Black Widow and Captain America and it's like a, there's zero yeah. synergy. And I think actually people would probably come to expect that they would be. I don't know. I think it's interesting with like X-Men as a whole, it just brings more thematic. What are your thoughts there? It's kind of like a Murloc archetype. Like the idea that the Murlocs yeah. all buff other Murlocs and yep. stuff like that, right? right? Yeah, I can see that. I think that, well, th there's a design landscape that they could perhaps approach like new card drop, but then like how do you release one card that doesn't interact with any of the others? It'd have to be like a set or they'd have to do a rework of the X-Men, right? And then start releasing other like no ability cards to replace and it's, Cyclops. It, it, but who's going to spend 6,000 tokens on a no ability card, right? Like, right, right. It, whoa, it's probably cool. It's <laughs> probably too much. If they did like faction bonuses or something, maybe they could make it work. It'd be a huge under taking i just thought it'd be fun and you know something i maybe no i agree would, i think yeah. it's a great idea man okay. i agree 100 i think it's a fantastic idea it is missing from this game it 100 is missing from this game right. like kind of like those tribe bonuses right it, it is it's just kind of weird that like the avengers you put them all together and you have like a garbage deck <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's terrible it's awful all the guardians of the galaxy same thing like you try and build a deck like that just like oh it's so bad it's like <laughs> it's just the most tilting deck imaginable it's like yeah, even right. if you land every single proc you're like you still just lose <laughs> right absolutely well dude our last subject is rank and location changes i'll say the changes first alex then we want to break it down like one at a time um yeah you know clearly we've got rank changes now when you go up the Marvel Snap ladder. Instead of going from 40 to 41, you go from 40 to 45. And they want this uh, to help out. A, it's going to obviously make Infinite a bit quicker, which I think a lot of people are very happy about. Uh, but they also did it to alleviate some of the problems with rank. Um, I guess let's start there, Alex. Uh, initial thoughts on the rank adjustments and, and everything uh, with the season. First of all, I think it's incredibly important to understand here that like, if we talk about everything we've talked about pretty much today and on past podcasts as well, the idea that second dinner is consistently listening to the community feedback and even like the question answers period, like the fact that they're responding, the fact that they're communicating, the fact that we even know that they're planning future ranked matchmaking changes. Yep. Like this is a 
boon to us. Like this is fantastic for us. And I think that the overall range here, they said it was experimental. They're not committing to this like long term. I think somewhere there was some qualifying language to say like, Hey, we're trying this. Right. I think that like, it's a decent first step. I was kind of surprised to see like a 50 kind of free cube bonus at hitting a plateau. Um, but with that being said, it does reduce the frustration and the kind of grind element of getting to infinite or to uh, not just infinite, but just at all just ranking up. Right. And I guess the, the argument to be made is that if you get those 50 free cubes and you don't have the skill or you don't have the capabilities to continuously rank up, then you'll just stagnate. Like you'll just, you'll, you'll still have to get better. Those cube, those cubes aren't just totally free. You're not just going to ride those cubes to the sunset. You still got to earn it. Right. But it helps get you kind of going a little bit. It helps get you off that. Like, well, pads, I'm stuck at 79. It pads the BS too. Like, you know, you, yeah. like we've all been there where you lose a, the one point power game is an eight cube or you lose like a gambit thing and you're like, damn, now I'm back down to 38 or 88 or whatever that might be. I think it pads that a little bit. I will say, what about not doing it at 90? So then you have an influx. You have a lot of people at 90 if that happens. But then it's like, all right, and then you prove it to him. You know, you got to kind of push it a little bit. For, it felt good at every single tier. And then I'm like, 90? It's like 95 going like, like it's like almost there, I guess. And, and I think it's okay. I just, I thought about it. I'm like, it'd be interesting if they stopped it at 90. I don't know. Yeah, I hear what you're saying because like 90s like mega sweat mode, right? Yeah. Um, but the thing about it though is that like in my opinion, the way that the current matchmaking works, 80 through 90 through 100 makes no difference. Like rank 80 to 100 feels exactly the same all through because you're still matching infinite players. I mean, technically, I I believe it was said that you can match to an infinite player above 70. So the the difference between 70, 80, and 90 is not as extreme as perhaps it could be once they incorporate some of the additional matchmaking changes that they're planning. Uh, but like I, for one, I don't know how you feel cozy, but I was surprised that this was the approach they took. Like I would not have predicted no. that 50 free cubes was, and first of all, that much, it's a lot. Yeah. It's like a half of the whole thing. Yeah. Did that kind of take you by surprise? Oh, yeah, dude. It was so much that like people wanted clarification because like, wait, we read it this way. <laughs> is this what you mean? Like, and I, yeah, because they kept saying cubes too. I'm like, just say rank people like say five ranks. Don't say 50 cube people. People hate math. But yeah, <laughs> it, I was shocked. I was shocked that this was their answer for sure. Yeah. And I wonder like people will be okay if like they dial it back, right? They're like, hey guys, this is too much. We're dialing it back to like 20 free cubes or something, right? I, will people get too mad about that? No. I think they're going to be pretty understanding. Like this is a pretty big gift, I think. It depends how many people like it helps like in the long run uh, after all is said and done. But, uh, and again, for those that are listening and those that are watching, we usually talk about like specific cards. I know all subjects are very more like analytical approach on the game, but, but I do think Episodes like this are important, Alex. I think it's important yeah, to talk 100%. about the mechanics and things that make the game that we love. And these are all important changes, right, man, at the end of the day. And so uh, the other change that is important and talk about players' feedback is locations. And this one, they acted on so much quicker than I thought. And I think they hit it perfectly. Uh, originally, they were going to just remove uh, a hot location. The Sundays were going to be dead. And I actually kind of like the hot locations if it's at the right point and, and it's the right location. Uh, but they feature locations, hot locations. They've heard our feedback. Alex, what do you think of the changes? What Tell everybody the change and then what do you think about it? Yeah, so basically the change is that first of all, they're going to be 24 hours, right? Hallelujah. And yeah, and also like from my understanding, it, they're, they're less frequent too because like last Sunday we didn't have a hot location. Yeah, they're experimenting with like skipping as well. Now there's a con to it. We'll talk about in a second, but I got to start out with 
Oh my god, guys. The fact that we don't have to, have to deal with a 48-hour plunder castle. Yeah, like, I know. It, there's some locations that were so garbage, Morag, that I didn't want to play the game as a content creator. And that's as someone who loves all things. Like, I... It was... It, it just sucked. It was not a great uh, element. Now, they did say, though, they, they want to reduce the amount of new locations coming in, I think, by one. That sucks. I love new locations. I just think you don't have to have them out for 48 hours, Alex. That, I did. I am a bit disappointed that they are lowering the amount of new locations that come in. I'm okay with it because I think that like right now we're in a situation where like I don't want them just forcing locations and to meet some monthly quota. Yeah, that's true. Like if they that's true. slow it down, yeah. make sure the, the locations make sense, make sure they have like a legitimate impact on the game, make sure that they're fun to interact with. Like, you know, don't, don't just throw out four destroy locations because you yeah, want to you know get what? four yeah. locations out. You almost, I almost want to retract what I said because honestly, I don't think I'm ever playing Snap. I'm like, you know what? I wish I wish there was some more variants in these locations. Like, I think there's enough <laughs> yeah. variants in the locations. That is very true. But you know what it is, though? It's it's the fun locations versus, like, I just don't know how they let some of these slip through. Like, how there's so many unplayable locations that, it, like, uh, what was the one that just came out? Uh, the camp. The pe uh, well, the peak was one of them that was, like, awful. Well, the, yeah, that was back at launch. The, the, the camp one that came out, though, where you, everyone gets a random three cost. Sign me up. That adds a little That's bit perfect, of fun. Yeah. Uh, the ones that could add some fun elements or like uh, what we were just talking about, turn a, your card into a random Avenger at this location. I don't know. I don't know. Something crazy. It, it, it's fun as long as it's somewhat rare. But like this month had a, a new ego only on turn five that it controls your the plays on the board. I'm like, competitive play number one but even casual play it's just like it, it's not it's not it's not that fun so uh, yeah quantum tunnel was a little frustrating too i think it was like the lockjaw location yeah dude but you know what's so interesting is now this is the second one i think that uh, a meta has spawned from a location so like quantum tunnel spawned the thanos meta uh, because people were forced to play with such uh, a powerful deck as the thanos lockjaw and it happened in the past too where the location um, actually, I think it was the original Leech leader deck was formed because of a Thor being played on Lamentis. That, that's like the, the, the path it went down. Uh, and so I do love that part. Honestly, I think they did nail it. I think they nail it. If they reduce it a small bit, 24 hours a piece, I don't think you got a lot of complaints there. Yeah, and one thing I will say is like I have a number of friends that like do like Marvel Snap. They play relatively casually, and uh, the most they play is on the weekends. And my buddy's like, I can't stand playing on Sunday. Like I really wish like my Sundays when I get to play Marvel Snap, I get to lay on the couch and play for an hour, and I got to deal with this man. I got to try and figure out a whole new deck just for the day. I got to like it was it was a lot for the casual player. I think it's weird on and weekends. They must have metrics about it too. I wonder if the play rate went down on those days. Well, Sundays are statistically uh, usually not active days in a lot of places, you know, businesses and, and, and as well as uh, maybe games. I, I don't want to speak for it. But what I will say is maybe they identified Sundays as the slowest day, so they add something to bring a unique feel to the day. Maybe. Oh, that's another perspective I didn't consider. Yeah, maybe like more people just like, hey, let's spice up Sunday. But I would think for gaming, it'd be different. Like more people are off from work. More people are at home. Yeah, it's funny because you see like a double XP weekend on a lot of games. And is that because more people are playing or they want to encourage more play when you could be going out and doing something on the weekend? It's interesting. You're hitting me with some knowledge here. I have no idea. If anybody in the comment section knows, please tell us because I actually don't know the answer. Cozy, you're like completely changing my perspective. <laughs> this is a paradigm shift of what I thought. I thought like weekends were prime gaming time. Yeah, I think it just also depends on the person, but I would say like, I don't know. I don't know. And is it, but is it prime mobile gaming time? Probably not. 
Oh, it's always prime mobile game. That's the whole point of mobile games. It's always prime mobile game. You pull your phone yeah, out, you're like gaming, Sunday, my friend. But you could do that anywhere at any time. Whereas Sunday, if you're like, oh man, I'm going to put my feet up and play some Marvel Snap. Like, yeah, for sure, there's people that do that. But I think that's more console based. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But one thing I will say, Cozy, is like, even this, like all the discussions we had today, I think lean towards a Marvel Snap that's getting progressively better. This game is continuously getting better. And uh, I can't wait to see the matchmaking adjustments that they're potentially going to be doing. I can't wait to see the the next series drop, which is going to be a week or two from now, right? Yep. Uh, at least the announcement anyway. I can't wait to see the new roadmap. I can't wait to see everything else that's coming out because we know there's big changes coming. And it's so easy to forget how just young this game is. I how young the game is. I personally... Yeah, I love it. I have no guys. I don't have a lot of problems with Snap at the moment. I I'm enjoying it and it, it, that is just myself. I get it, but that's the only person I can speak for. Yeah, I still have a great time going in, trying new decks, doing different things. Every game does feel different. And man, if a new game mode comes, Alex, like, chef's kiss. Yeah, I, I love this game. I, I play it because I choose to play it. I play it because I want to play it. I play it because it completely dominates my thoughts. Like, this is when I'm laying in bed at night and I'm having a dream. I'm dreaming about Marvel Snap, and that sounds crazy, but it's absolutely true. That is what I, I dream about. Like, I literally dream decks in my head, and then I build them in the morning, and I'm like, wow, these decks are terrible. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's like I'm so invested in this game. I just love it, and I can't wait. I cannot wait, Cozy. When we talk next March 2024, we're going to look back on this day and be like, do you remember when we thought Leader was the biggest problem? Hey, you, remember, do you remember the day when we thought Leech was a problem? Remember when Leech was in the game? Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember when Leech dismantled your whole your whole hand? Now it just deletes your game? <laughs> yeah. Wait, Cyclops isn't in the meta right now? Like, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, Cyclops is OP. It, yeah. It, Nerf Cyclops. Who knows? What In a 10-year plan? Dude, don't get me started. Alex, thank you again for joining me today. Leave a review if you guys are enjoying the podcast. We are, man, we're getting towards that 20 mark. I think it's our next episode. It's going to be episode 20, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. Can't wait to hit that 20 mark and the next 20. Then before you know, but it'll be 100. Completely <laughs> insane. All right, guys, you have a good one. Have a great one to the next one. Happy snapping.